Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Thank you for being with us again today. Out of Law into Grace. That's the theme of the wonderful series that we're in by Warren Litzman. So important. We hope you've been here with us every week. And if not, if you're just tuning in today, that's okay. Every one of these sessions is so very important, and we hope that you will enjoy it again today. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren. So you see the difference between circumcision and uncircumcision. One is the doing, and the other is not the doing. When you do nothing of yourself to try to please God, that's what I call religion. You understand it? I have to use the word religion sometime for people to understand things that are godly or ungodly. But religion to me is simply defined that if you do anything within yourself to try to please God, that's religion. Why is it? There is nothing you can do to please God. But you can be God's servant. You can be God's means a blessing and helping others. I'm a crude illustration of this, but I don't preach this gospel because I have to, because if I don't do it, God will send me to hell. I preach this gospel and I go anywhere I possibly can to get the message across. When I know that's what God wants is to get this message there, I go. I do it all because I love him. I love him. That's the way I want you to live. I want you to live because you love him more than you do yourself. I could stay home here. A wife and I could stay home here and do a lot of wonderful things here. But when God says, there's a hungry heart over here, go to them. What crops up there is not my ability, how much it costs me, is God going to do it for me, help me? First thing that comes to me, I love God more than I love whatever my answer is to that. Whatever my answer is. I love God. I want you to live like that. That's the first step. Coming in to whether my works are what saves me, or my non-works. Now you can become like a lot of Christian people and take your non-works as something that's doctrinal and religion. You don't need to brag and boast on yourself. God knows you. God will use you in times and places you never dreamt He would do that. So the first thing we see in this first verse is that you can't be ignorant of God's plan. Let's read the whole 11th verse now. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, but that which is called circumcision, in the flesh made by hands, by human hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now he goes into a very important point here. 
You can have Christ in you and not knowing it. Not know it. Listen to me now. You can have Christ in you and not know it and still be without God in your actions. You say, how in the world that would happen? Because if you got saved, if you accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you invited Christ into your life, God didn't come on the basis of what you thought and what you know. He sent His Son as a seed and birthed His Son in you the moment you said that. Are you aware of that? When I tell you 90% of the people that are Christians don't know much about the Christ that lives in them, that's my point here. You can have Christ in you and not know it. I had him in me for years and didn't know it. I preached in the highest places in my denomination and didn't know that the life I lived was Christ. I thought, Litzman, you're doing good. I used to think I was somebody. I got to the biggest churches in our denomination, got to preach. That's back years ago when I could preach. I thought it was me. It wasn't me at all. It was him. But I didn't know that. I didn't know Christ lived in me. I didn't know he was my life. And that when God looked at me, he saw Christ as me. He never, he never looked at my soulish part. He saw Christ as me. And that's my salvation. So you can have Christ in you and not know it. That's what this, this 12th verse leads us to. That uh, you can know all about the, your doctrine. You can know all about the covenants. And have hope and still be without God in this world. I meet religious people who are so religious they can't open their mouth without doctrine coming out. Who I suspicion are without God. I didn't say Christ wasn't in them. This verse says they're without God. What does that mean without God? They're still doing it themselves. They can do it without God. They can learn enough scripture and memorize it. I hear good preachers preach who don't know Christ lives in them. Paul would say they're without God. They're doing it without God. They have all the promises and covenants that would have pushed them toward knowing the Lord. But that doesn't work. So look how Paul gets out of that. In verse 13, he gives us what I've always said is the first important word that Paul could give believers. It's the little word, now. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometime afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That verse straightens it all out, you see. Now, I think the word now I may be wrong on the figure, but I think it's used 13 times by Paul describing salvation. He doesn't have any progressive salvation. He doesn't have any time elements. 
religion, most religions have a time element. You understand that? They have, they have a time element. I talked to a fellow the other day that was real downhearted because he had given his his super church. He goes to a super church. And there, if you don't give a big offering, you're not recognized. So he gave a big offering because he wanted to be an usher in that super church. He wanted to be somebody there. And they wouldn't let him because he'd been married before. There was no now salvation in that, you see. Doctrine can keep people from being saved who are already saved. It just can't be that. And I don't promote evil things, but I do promote God's grace. And this is something I hope you learn this weekend, that God's grace is sufficient. If that fellow had been in my church, if I'd have had a church, and if I'd have had a building, and if I took up an offering, I don't usually take up offerings anywhere. We have a basket over there, by the way. <laughs> But I wouldn't have made him a second class because he couldn't be saved and not have Christ in him. And when you have Christ in you, how can you be better than anybody else? Or how can anybody else be better than you? Isn't that simple? My salvation is not me, it's him. If you have my underlying Romans 5 and 10, get it made. We're saved by his life. I always preach we're saved by his death, and we are. But Paul come along and said, there's something else. You're saved by his life. Where is his life? Only life I have of Christ is in me. Amen. It's in me. That's why he says in Christ 146 times. It's in you. This is in you. It's not coming. It's in you. That's the kind of respect and love Christians should have for one another but they can't have it if they don't have this foundation. It takes the foundation to know it because before you get to Paul's message, you may have been in 10 different things. I told some people the other day, I met a man the other day in California. Anything happened in California. But I told a man, a man told me the other day in California he had been water baptized 12 times. I said, you feel any better? Well, he said, I'm wet. He said a time or two, they just sprinkled it on me. I'm trying to find the real way, you know. Now, it's a now salvation. After going through the, the awfulness of Romans 7, how does Paul straighten it all out there? What in the world could he straighten out in one line that would that would make all the difference in the world to people who had been living in Romans 7. First verse of Romans 8. Romans 8. There is therefore now. See it? There is therefore now. God doesn't put it off. Somebody says, well, if God just did everybody like that come along church would be full of scalawags and it would be full of 
all sorts of bad, evil people. I want to tell you something I ask you never to forget. God doesn't save anybody by who they are or by who they are not. Amen. He saves you because he sees every human through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. If it isn't the cross, it isn't God's salvation. Church has salvation now. Religion has different kinds of salvation. But there is no salvation outside of the cross. There's a new salvation underway, you know. Sprung up in the last few days. New kind of Christianity. It's a Christianity that wants to leave Christ out of it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a kind of religion where there is no sin. This, this, this is in the major news this, in the last week. That there, there is no more sin. It's foolish for us to talk about sin anymore. So that means there's no cross. People are coming out with their own kind of religion. That's why I love that word now. When Jesus died on the cross, it had to do with the healing of my body. It had to do with the renewing of my mind because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. His death on the cross covered many areas of our life. But I'm going to tell you, the word now has to do with you going to hell or going to heaven. And God does not put it off under any circumstances for anybody. The moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm not for sure what that means for everybody, but it means for you to be sincere and honest. The best thing I've said about people who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is that they must have this in their mind, I need to be saved, and I know no other way to be saved except through Jesus Christ. If they have that in their mind, God accepts them, I do believe. Them accepted on what they believe? No. Them accepted because God already has them dead in Christ on the cross and he has cross taking away their every sin. That's why this first step is hard. How many places could you go to church and be settled in your mind and life that now I'm saved. How many, how many church buildings, I should say, don't, don't ever say church and mean a building, add the word building to it because you are the church, the true church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. But how many places could you go and they not put you on probation. How many places? What'd that do? That preempted the now salvation. You see what religion does? It preaches that a group of people 
have lined up with what comes out of that building. They've lined up with it. We can depend on them. And if they don't do what it is we do in this building, we take care of it. Boy, we don't have any strikers here in doctrine. If you don't do what we say, you come before the committee. We've, we've reached some believers up in uh, Missouri over a point like that. The Catholic Church in St. Louis is going through a real ordeal now about who can serve on their committees and they've had to go to court and they've had to kick people out of the Catholic Church. And you know when you get kicked out of the Catholic Church, you've got nobody to bury you and send you to heaven. You think that's funny, but that's exactly a doctrine. That they, they write a note to somebody. I don't know who that letter goes to, but they write a note saying this person has been faithful. They've always been in, in the church. They're this and that. I know that because I had the funeral of somebody a long time ago who had been Catholic and the church wouldn't, wouldn't bury them. And she, she was crying, a dear lady, she's crying. She said, nobody's going to write a letter and tell them I'm all right. I don't know who it went to, but she had to have a letter to her relatives or somebody. No, no, now salvation. Grace puts the pressure on God and he puts the pressure on the cross and made it possible that all you needed to do was to accept it. Now that's how easy it is to get into grace. But the hard part is it'll take you the rest of your lifetime to find out what grace is all about. See? So there's no easy part about it. <laughs> I can't remember a woman can't remember where I was either. I think it was in California. But she, she said, I, I thought coming into grace would be the easiest and best thing I ever did. But she said it turned out to be the opposite. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Because God is not looking to me for anything. She said, I got nothing to feel good about. She's right. He did it. It's all him, not you at all. I preached a whole 10 session uh, camp meeting in, in South Africa when I got all warmed up on that subject one day. It's Jesus, just Jesus. And that's what I titled this, that series. It's Jesus, just Jesus. It is. It, it's all about Christ. He's fullness. He's the totality. And the little lady was right. She said, this is hard on me. Because she said, as a church member, I always did what they asked me to do and I, I felt so good about myself. That's the way we felt. We've all been raised like that. It's hard for us to get out of that. No, now. That's just the second word of this 13th verse. Why does the now work? Because the minute you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are placed in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians twelve and uh, First Corinthians twelve and thirteen. For by one Spirit 
Are we all baptized or placed in one body? Christ. You get it? It's an in Christ thing. Paul doesn't have anything to tell us that's not in Christed. He hasn't got anything to talk about that's not in Christed. He doesn't talk about how many churches he built. He doesn't talk about his big offerings. If it hadn't been for him, the lost church at Jerusalem might have starved to death. Paul's out raising money for him. He doesn't talk about these things. His word is now. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Do you get it how simple that is? The reason it's all now is because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the cross. I can't let you get away from that. The cross and the in Christ position is what Christianity is all about. And because of the cross, you have been drawn regardless of your condition. The now works because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what makes it work. His blood does. Why? His blood not only takes away sin, but in John's epistle, first chapter, he said the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses. Present tense. Never stops. Never stops. Where do you have the problem with sin? In your soul. And the blood of Jesus Christ never stops cleansing. You need to do something about it? Yep. You need to love God more than you love yourself. And anytime you sin, it's an easy thing to accept the blood that cleanses you from all sin. If you've got too much pride... If you don't want anybody to know your problems, whatever your reason is, when you fail God, when you sin, just simply tell God, I did it, I flunked, I failed. I'm nothing. Humble yourself. Love Him more than you love yourself. And you'll have automatically the cleansing of the blood. Now the blood that took away our sin at the cross primarily went to cleanse us of what we've always called a sin nature or Adam's sin. What was hard for us to get rid of was Adam's sin. We couldn't. Until Jesus died on the cross, there was no freedom from Adam's sin. The old sin nature was there. And so when I was Baptist, we preached... You've got a God nature and you've got a sin nature. You do have another nature. You've got old self there that is dead to God, but you're still prideful thinking that you can do something with self. But you don't have a sin nature anymore. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. Now, I don't know how God accepts people. You hear me talk like this and you may think I know something. I don't. I don't know how God accepts people, but I can tell you on the basis of these scriptures that if you're honest with God and you love God more than you love yourself, you're not going to have a sin problem before God. And see, those are hard words. I tell that to alcoholics. I talk to a lot of alcoholics. 
And that's one of the first things I tell them. If you love God more than you love your liquor, you can be free of it. It'll almost kill you, but you'll be free of it. But love is costly. I always said that in marriage counseling. That if you love your mate more than you love yourself, you'll work it out. But there's always something selfish that comes. That you feel has got to happen because it's me and I'm me. I'm going to be me. You're the one sheep that jumps up in the flock and says, I got to be somebody. That's an old cartoon. You don't remember it, do you? Now, made nigh by the blood. Let's do another verse. Verse 14 says, He is our peace. Now, I want you to watch Paul's method here of bringing us this life. He could have said in this verse, now I've said all these other things about your now salvation, but it may not clear up everything. So I'm going to tell you this. If you'll just trust Christ, Christ will give you peace. He could have said it like that. That's the way I would have said it, not knowing what I was talking about. But Paul cannot be removed from the in Christ position. And so the next line says, He, for Christ is our peace. What did he do there? He failed, thank God, he failed to separate us from ourself in Christ. And he said, Christ is our peace. He's our peace. He doesn't give peace. He is our peace. Now you need a, an old King James Bible to see lines like that. Because a lot of new Bibles won't tell us about how Paul meant things and said things based on the things he said in the revelation he had. He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. He's back to circumcision and uncircumcision. The wall is broken down. Paul says neither one of them matters. And I always love that verse of Scripture where he talks about uh, there's no Jew or Gentile, bond or free and so forth. He ends that, that portion of Scripture by saying that it doesn't matter one way or another what you are. Christ is all that matters. It's all Christ. That's what matters. Now in Christ. He is our peace. How did he break down the middle wall of partition between us? That's the emblem of the cross. The cross is how he broke it down. He just took the cross and he broke down the wall between us and that part of us that doesn't want to give up to Christ. I can't go much further in these scriptures. I'd plan to go a lot further. But verse 15 has 
you need to mark a word there that Paul uses uh, a couple of times or more in his writings. He said, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself between one new man, making peace. The word abolished. That's a strong word. That means that he didn't leave any part of it standing. And when it comes to the law, that's exactly what he did. He abolished that. Verse 19, Therefore ye are no more strangers, foreign and foreign, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. Once again, he's sticking to it. It's not just going to heaven. We are God's birth children coming to the house. Coming home. The household of God. Only the birth children will be there. This is built upon a proper foundation. Jesus is a chief cornerstone. All this is in that chapter. The first step then into grace is getting your mind straightened out as to whose mind is it. And so I close with the way I always close. If you're a doctor and you spent 7 to 12 years becoming a doctor, you have to come to the place where it is not me, it is him. He is the doctor. If you're a carpenter, you come to the place that since I've been saved, my new life is Christ. And it is not I that does carpentry. It is Christ as me. You don't say that maybe every time. But that's what it is. That's what you get fixed in your mind. It's Christ as me. That's what a Christian is. See, the world doesn't know that. The world has heard more in this past week about what a Christian is than I have ever known on television before. Overwhelmingly as if it were Satan himself up trying to tell us what a Christian is. Though that may, is a bad uh, evaluation. But the world is going to come out thinking that a Christian is something real weird. This book tells us what a Christian is. Well, we hate to do it, but we're going to have to stop right here. But we'll continue next week right where we left off in this amazing series from Warren Litzman about out of law into grace. So important, and we hope you're getting a lot out of it. Don't forget to visit our website. We are at Christ-Life.org. Christ-Life.org. Read all about us in this great In Christ message and go to the bookstore and pick up some of Warren's teachings yourself in the form of a book, a tape, a video. It's all there. Christ-life.org. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman. She allows us to go into the archives each week to bring you these great messages. Valerie Hill does our weekly Twitter account. Also, we'd like to thank Tammy Laycock, who does the weekly podcast and of course, our wonderful producer, Teresa Ferraro, from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.